Das ist das, was das Und allows you to escape the engine. So bone has really survival function that explain why most of the planet is dominated by bony animals. Where it's the bony animals that drive the planet, it's not the insects. In that context, the function of osteocalcin are also needed to escape danger. To escape danger, you need to run away, and that's regulated by osteocalcin. Welcome to the Metagenics Institute podcast, a place where you can hear from the leading experts in health and wellness, from scientists and researchers to internationally recognized clinicians. Enjoy this insightful conversation with host Nathan Rose. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Metagenics Institute podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Rose. And today we're going to explore the fascinating endocrine function of bones. And to do that, joining me from Columbia University is Professor Gerard Cassenti. Good afternoon, Professor. Good afternoon, Nathan. Uh, glad to be with you this morning for you this afternoon for me. <laughs> yes, exactly. So. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, we want to dive into looking at bones. So you've been researching this for a, a long period of time and have, as I understand, uncovered some really interesting um, endocrine functions of bones that can, it does regulate a lot of our physiology from brain to metabolism to reproductive function. Um so, yeah, I'm really excited to jump into this. So before we do that, perhaps if you can just give us a bit of a sketch of, yeah, your, your background and, um, sure. yeah, maybe, yeah, jump into it. <laughs> so um, I'm a physician and not surprisingly, I'm an endocrinologist. I was trained in France as an endocrinologist and I came to the U.S. to be trained in molecular biology, which I did at NIH and then in Houston, Texas. And uh, upon becoming an independent investigator, I was really uh, a scientist in search of a project. And for various reasons that has to do with my clinical training, I uh, became interested in studying bone from a developmental point of view, how do we form bone during embryogenesis? And also from a physiological point of view, and the first aspect of physiology that attracted me was, was why is it that bone mineralizes and knows of tissues? And that brought me to osteocalcin. Yeah, we'll, we'll dive into osteocalcin, which seems like a, a fascinating hormone, which potentially sounds like there's a lot more to learn about it. Um, what was your perception of bones? And maybe, yeah, I've got the perception and maybe the sort of more the public perception that they're sort of inert substances that are obviously important for our muscles to hang off and, and move our bodies. Uh, but you're really starting to paint a picture. It's a central endocrine organ. So can you maybe describe the sort of the, the old model and, and what's what, where it's evolving to now? Yeah. Obviously, when I started to work on bone, it was not the most popular organ. And I was really interested in two aspects of it. One was it was a heyday of developmental biology to understand how you go from a 
pluripotent cell to uh, nosteoblast and what were the transcription factors. And in terms of physiology, I did not think that there was more much physiology to study except to understand why is it that bone mineralization occurs only in bone. And that, I thought, was an interesting question. And this is where the lab started. And to start, the lab decided, because we were coming from to the bone shield from outside, so like every outsider, I, I tend to believe what I was reading. And it was written everywhere that osteocalcin was probably involved in bone mineralization. So we decided to knock out these genes and to see if it, in fact, affects bone mineralization, which it does not. Right. That's how it started. Okay. So, yeah, let's take a, a quick overview of um, bone. Um, osteocalcin, so this is the hormone secreted by osteoblasts. Yeah. Can you just quickly describe, um, yeah, its physiology? The physiology of bone? Or of, yeah, or, of... And, or, and oste particularly osteocalcin, um, it's probably new to our listeners, yeah. Yeah, so osteocalcin is a molecule, it's a peptide hormone that is made exclusively in osteoblasts and that obviously circulates and regulates numerous physiological functions. It regulates insulin secretion in pancreas and glucose homeostasis. It regulates muscle function during exercise and exercise capacity. It regulates testosterone biosynthesis and male fertility. It regulates neurotransmitter synthesis in the brain and cognition and prevents anxiety. It regulates... Uh, it is needed for the acute stress response to be initiated, and it is needed for adrenal steroidogenesis. Uh, it has other functions, notably in the liver, where it favors gluconeogenesis, but this list is long enough for them. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, the original thought was that it was a, like a paracrine uh, function where it affected bones, but yeah, you really um, uncovered like these widespread effects on metabolism, reproduction, brain, acute stress response, and so forth. Um, I'm curious, did you, how did you start? Did you stumble across this? I think in your paper, it's sort of like I, I read, um, I think when it came to stress response, you noticed when you knocked out the genes that the mice were like docile. Like, were these unexpected findings, like serendipitous, or were you um, searching for targets? No, it was by serendipity. I mean, we did the knockout of osteocalcin because it's a protein of the bone matrix that can bind calcium and phosphate. And we thought it, because it can bind calcium and phosphate, it should be involved in bone mineralization. We knew at that time that osteocalcin was also circulating in, in blood, but we did not pay attention to it. And then when the mice were born and we realized that bone mineralization was pretty normal, past the first disappointment, we also realized <laughs> that these mice were, have an abnormal amount of fat and were very docile. And uh, then we also made the connection that this molecule is in blood 
And the only way that the molecule made in bone could affect uh, fat and fat mass could be if it is an hormone regulating some mechanism linking linked to fat mass. And this is how the project started, that in the lack of a bone mineralization defect, the, the excess of fat led us to think that it was a hormone regulating fat mass. Then we used clinical observation, and the clinical observation, of course, is that uh, the arrest of gonadal function leads to osteoporosis. The arrest of uh, energy intake, if you stop eating, whether because you are in a, in a country where you cannot eat or voluntarily, as a child or as an, an adult, you lose bone. So we came to the hypothesis that there should be a coordinated regulation, endocrine in nature, because the organs are not uh, adjacent to each other, of bone mass, energy metabolism, and reproduction. One of the this is in fact a very restrictive hypothesis because what justifies the existence of this hypothesis is the existence of bone. And therefore, if it is true, these hormones that uh, uh, link bone, bone energy metabolism and reproduction should appear during evolution with bone and should not be present before. The first hormone implicated in this triangular relationship, and we are not going to speak about it today, is leptin. And there is no leptin in animals that have no bone. It's a mm -hmm. bone-specific hormone, even if it is made in adipose, a bony vertebrate-specific hormone. But the second implication is that if it is true, bone cannot be only a sponge, it has to be an endocrine organ, regulating energy metabolism and reproduction. And that led to the hypothesis and then demonstration that oste osteocalcin is an hormone regulating energy metabolism and reproduction. Fascinating. We'll look at those areas in, in detail in a moment. Uh, so osteocalcin, um, can you describe its like secretion and release? Is it like di diurnal? Um, that I think it declines with aging. What stimulates it? How does it fluctuate? Osteocalcin is a small peptide that is made only in osteoblasts and is is modified in osteoblast and as a modified protein, it is inactive. To become active, it bec this modification has to be removed and this occurs during the resorption, the destruction of bone that is assumed by the osteoclast. Then osteocalcin, native osteocalcin, I would say, now goes in the general circulation and can uh, binds to its receptors on beta cells, Leydig cells of the testis, myoblast, etc. It's the most abundant non-collagenous protein of the bone matrix. So bone has a, is a huge reservoir of osteocalcin, and it is released in the case of stress, acute stress, and the case which is a sensing of acute danger. Then there is a peak of osteocalcin, almost immediate, that is uh, mediated by a neurotransmitter, 
and osteocalcine goes up in these conditions. Every condition that raises osteocalcine can be seen as a stress, whether it is exercise, which is a stress, growing up in terms of size, which is really stressful for the organism, uh, and the acute stress response itself. Right. And the, the sort of picture I'm getting in my mind is that osteocalcin is helps us sort of adapt to stresses by coordinating and activating us like our um, nervous system, our uh, testosterone secretion, and importantly, like um, uh, energy metabolism in muscles. It, it, yeah, is it like a sort of a mediator to help facilitate? It's almost like the fight and flight response in a sense. Yeah. So again, through osteocalcin, we have to uh, revisit and reanalyze what is born. And for instance, you are. Uh, half asleep in your uh, living room and if the ceiling falls on your head you will be in bad mood but you will not die because bone protects you in other words bones allows you to escape danger you have and i have in my inner ear three little bones and without this bone we cannot fit and if you, if you are deaf and live in Amazonian forest, I would say good luck to survive. So bone has really a survival function that explains why most of the planet is dominated by bony animals. Where it's the bony animals that drive the planet, it's not the insects. Uh, in that context, the function of osteocalcin are also needed to escape danger. You need to to escape danger. You need to run away, and that's regulated by osteocalcin. To escape danger, you need to mobilize glucose, and that's regulated by osteocalcin. To to remember where was a predator an hour ago, you need memory, and memory was not invented to go to medical school. It was invented to know where was a predator an hour ago, and you need osteocalcin. So osteocalcin is the endocrine uh, actor that confers to bone its all-around uh, function of overcoming danger, whether it is structural or endocrine. Wow. So, yeah, um, I'll put links to your papers and particularly your recent one talking about stress and danger and it really highlights to me. It's, um, it seems to be a, a missing piece of like what mediates our memory and so forth when, when we get to that like with um, BDNF and, and other mediators. Uh, let's first jump back to energy metabolism because it sounds like you've done a fair bit of work there and seems to be like a, a lot of these organs are sort of like a a bi-directional relationship and often a feed-forward um, relationship with uh, the bone osteocalcin and the um, target organ. So, yeah, you mentioned the pancreas. Can you describe how osteocalcin affects uh, the pancreas and beta cell function? Yeah, so osteocalcin binds to a receptor and signal in beta cell to increase the proliferation of the beta cells and the production of insulin. And in that way, osteocalcin is upstream of insulin and is uh, contributing to the regulation of glucose metabolism. 
Osteocalcin is also a schizophrenic molecule because in the liver, it favors a function, namely the synthesis of glucose, that is inhibited by insulin. So not only osteocalcin is an insulin secretagogue, but it modulates the function of insulin by antagonizing it in other hormones. And that may have a link to this notion of uh, insulin resistance. So in that way, at rest, osteocalcin-regulated glucose metabolism. But rest is only one physiological situation. The other one is exercise. And during exercise, osteocalcin signals in muscles through the same receptor and increase the uptake of glucose and, and fat in muscle. But unlike insulin, it breaks down glucose to make ATP so that we can run, whereas insulin stores glucose. And again, in that case, osteocalcin opposes the function of insulin. And those are the main, the main organ in which osteocalcin signals to regulate energy, uh, uh, energy metabolism the pancreas, the liver, and muscle. Uh, have, is the research exploring osteocalcin physiology levels and so forth in type 2 diabetics? Is there, and is there a potential target for um, therapeutics in the future? Yeah, so uh, osteocalcin is given, at least we are in speaking of mice, to mice that are diabetic can improve the glucose tolerance, can decrease fat mass, and can improve overall type 2 diabetes. Whether osteocalcin can become a treatment <clears throat> sorry, of type 2 diabetes, that will require clinical trials that are not ongoing right now. And I would say it may not be, from a strategic point of view, the first indication to look for for osteocalcin because there are many drugs already taking care of glucose metabolism function and there are other functions regulated by osteocalcin that are affected in frequent disease and for which there is no treatment. Right. And... Similar vein, the it seems uh, Leydig cells is mentioned with in the testes in males again a bi-directional and almost a feed-forward um, relationship. Can you describe the role osteocalcin plays there? Yeah, so osteocalcin, what was known before our work and it's totally true is that there is an hormone in the pituitary uh, gland that stimulates the production of, of testosterone by testes. What we showed is that the, not only this is true, but if you don't have osteocalcin, this is not enough. And mice are subfertile. It's true also in women. So osteocalcin is a second pathway that binds to, through its receptor to the Leydig cells and increase uh, steroidogenesis, the production of testosterone. So osteocalcin does the same thing as this pituitary hormone, but male fertility is such an important, 
important function from an evolutionary point of view that there is not enough of a single regulator and there right. are two regulators. Okay. And from that evolution perspective, what's uh, osteocalcin to do with the sort of stress response and male reproduction? Is it more coupled with the fact that, say, the the young male's growing and that's a stress and they're you know, becoming more sort of fertile or is it um, acutely that testosterone may, you know, help you with clarity or something or risk-taking? <laughs> Any sort of thoughts there? I don't know why osteocalcin regulates male fertility <laughs> and not female fertility. Obviously, okay. we, were, we were thinking it would regulate female fertility because osteoporosis is a woman disease. Mm. And what we found is that regulates male fertility. So whether testosterone is involved in the reaction to danger is possible. What I know is that in case of acute stress, circulating testosterone goes up. So all the, the, the play of osteocalcin, I would say, goes up. Yeah, okay. And now to brain function, uh, this is where we said you first noticed that the osteocalcin-deficient mice were sort of docile. Uh, so not only mood, but cognition. Um, and as I said, my understanding, it may be part of like um, neurotransmission with, uh, I think, GABA and brain-derived neurotropic factor, BDNF. Can you describe how osteocalcin is working the brain? Yeah. So... Osteocalcin uh, is the best tool available to genotype postdocs. A French or an Italian postdoc who will see an osteocalcin null mice will tell me they are stupid, always. A German postdoc will tell me they are docile, always. Not once, but always. And an American slash English postdoc will always tell me they are quiet. It is a, a rule that has no exception. These mice are very docile and quiet. And what osteocalcin does is to control the growth and the development of the brain, and in particular of a region in the brain called the hippocampus that is needed for memory. It regulates the synthesis of all neurotransmitters that are involved in promoting memory and inhibiting anxiety. BDNF is one of them, but dopamine and serotonin are others. And in that way, it, it is needed for memory and it is needed to prevent anxiety. And that's an important aspect of osteocalcin that we did not appreciate at the beginning is that osteocalcin is a little bit like the godfather. It's a very respectable protein trapped in bone. It looks inoffensive and it regulates a lot of function by recruiting killers that do that. It's upstream of insulin, but it does not regulate glucose. It's upstream of neurotransmitter, but itself does nothing to memory. It's upstream of testosterone, but does not regulate male fertility per se. And this is important because this is the only hormone that I know that is upstream of so many other regulatory molecules, hormone or neurotransmitter. 
And what it says is that during evolution, the appearance of bone, because it's an extremely cost, energetically costly organ, has needed to have another level of regulation that appears. And this level of regulation is housed in bone. Wow, that's amazing. Who would have thought? Um, similar to the brain is the like this uh, acute stress response from our autonomic nervous system and our um, HBA axis. Again, it seems really interlocked and um, there's like this sort of almost redundancy. Can you again describe how osteocalcin um, is a, like an acute yeah. stress hormone in that context? When we realized that osteocalcin regulates memory and running, we saw a link with danger, and we thought that maybe it is involved in the acute stress response. And through a series of many experiments, we showed that, in fact, in the absence of osteocalcin, a, a, mammalian, a mammal cannot develop an acute stress response, whether or not there is a HPA axis or not. In fact, we went a step further, is that if we remove the adrenal gland, mice have a normal stress response. It's only if you remove osteocalcin that the acute stress response is blocked, which suggests, in fact, that the role of the glucocorticoid hormone in the acute stress response has not been defined. But in absence of bone, if you are a mammal, you don't have an acute stress response. And this also contributes to this anecdotal finding that osteocalcin mice are very quiet. If you take them in your hand, they don't try to escape, they don't bite, they sit very, very uh, quiet. Right, uh, which in, throughout evolution probably no, no, wasn't no, that no. helpful because yeah. you need a bit of fear to get... <laughs> That would have become lunch very quickly. Uh, so I'm curious, you've really uh, articulated how central and upstream, as you said, this is to a lot of physiology. What's the, the mood like in academia? Is it um, being recognized and appreciated? Um, there is a very famous physiologist, British, uh, the brother of Aldous Huxley, who said every truth become, begins by... Be begins by being heretic. Uh, it has not been appreciated immediately with great enthusiasm that leptin regulates bone mass or that osteocalcin is an hormone. But now, with many groups working on osteocalcin and many functions being discovered and mutations existing in the receptor in Riemann, uh, it's become more and more accepted that osteocalcin is an hormone, that bone is an endocrine organ. And following the work on osteocalcin, other hormones made in bone have been discovered. And, and this, of course, has contributed to weaken the resistance that we all have to something that is totally uh, a rupture uh, compared mm. to what we knew. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Um, now I'm curious, sort of on a practical side, uh, the declines with age. Um, does osteoporosis have any effect on the amount of uh, osteocalcin secreted? Yeah. At the time of osteoporosis, there is an increase in bone resorption, 
and there is a decrease in bone formation. So there is a little bit of a peak of osteocalcin, but one has to look at osteocalcin only as an hormone. And as an hormone, it does not affect, or at least we have not found a major function, the organ where it is made. Insulin does not affect pancreas, and LH does not really affect pituitary glands. That's not where the business end of the molecule is. And it's the same thing for osteocalcin. Osteocalcin is made in bone, but this is not where it works. Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, what about if... So, sorry, the osteocalcin declines in osteoporosis. Do you know, has there been any um, research showing the... Um, improvement or reversal of osteoporosis is linked to the restoration of osteocalcin or improvement or its downstream well, effects? Any uh, uh, natural event that will decrease or increase the number of osteoblasts will decrease or increase the efficiency of the function regulated by osteocalcin. Whether it's osteoporosis, or other diseases with complicated names that have more osteoblasts, uh, th they will affect the function regulated by osteocalcin. Okay. Um, so just then, just finally, so osteoporosis could that be seen as like a harbinger of yeah. you know um, chronic disease, like um, you know I, I suppose Alzheimer's is probably linked to osteoporosis and. Um, diabetes, like uh, maybe osteoporosis could be seen as only a bone disease, but could it be like, a, as I said, like the precursor because of the decline in osteocalcin um, more complex and chronic conditions could uh, follow? We don't have yet evidence for that and we are working along this line, but we don't have yet evidence. So I don't want to over Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yes. No problem. Um, so you mentioned exercise stimulates osteocalcin. Is it just the sort of the like metabolic stress? I think it was interleukin-6 coming from the muscles goes back to the bones to signal the stress response. So it's not like a mechanical no. loading scenario like running no. doesn't stimulate running osteocalcin more than, say, swimming? It stimulates osteocalcin uh, and increases osteocalcin really threefold. We have not found any other hormones that increase their circulating levels uh, during exercise in animals that fed a normal diet. Once osteocalcin increases, it, it signals in muscle where it can, as I told you earlier, increase the uptake and breakdown of glucose, but it also stimulates the synthesis of a molecule that was the first myokine ever described called interleukin-6. Interleukin-6 was known to increase exercise capacity, but it was not known how. And through a series of genetic experiments, we have shown that for interleukin-6 to increase exercise, it must signal back to bone to increase the release of osteocalcin. And in fact, you have a sheet-forward loop between osteocalcin in bone, IL-6 in muscle, and osteocalcin in bone that explains, for instance, why if we train, 
we can improve our performance. But that's that's a loop that is involved in exercise. So aging is often associated with um, increased inflammation, like at least like C-reactive protein, perhaps um, maybe until it can six is. Is it the sort of the the fluctuation rather than the absolute? Um, so I'm just curious, as I said, as you get out, as we age, it's associated with inflammation. Should that not stimulate osteocalcin? And sorry, two part question. And what about the use of like anti-inflammatories that mitigate um, inflammation? Would that blunt the adaptations to exercise? Very good question. We have not tested, but I will not forget it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, as a onset, I just want to say I don't believe that osteocalcin is a mother of all genes, and it is not a miracle molecule or a miracle uh, gene. Uh, it is triggered; its secretion is triggered by stress. Uh, I don't know that it is triggered by inflammation, but we cannot put osteocalcin. Uh, as a character in every place that our body plays, uh, that does not exist, and certainly it's not the case for osteocancer. Fair enough. Thank you. All right. Um, so, yeah, even I just haven't said that, what sort of, uh, um, you know, research and what sort of future applications do you see around this um at least or at least the system in terms of therapeutics and you know they can go from fertility to alzheimer's to to mood to diabetes where's the where do you think the big opportunities are lie? i guess the big opportunities lie in physiological functions that are regulated by osteocalcin affected in a large population of patients and that have no treatment. Uh, one of them is a decline in, in exercise capacity that we all experience at one point in our life for which there is no treatment. And that's certainly an area of research we are working on. Another one which is not exactly Alzheimer and it's really the age-related decline in cognition and increase in anxiety, depression. Uh, again, there is no treatment except anxiolytic for this manifestation of aging, and this is something that we would like to tackle first in the lab and hopefully uh, uh, um, and a pharmaceutical company will, will take over it. Mm, look forward to hearing about that. Okay, uh, I just want to expand for a moment um, before we wrap up on some other sort of uh, systemic effects um, being linked to bone. As you mentioned earlier, leptin is linked to bone. I'm curious, I, I stumbled across this concept of the, I don't even know how you pronounce it, gravitostat or gravityostat, this idea that um, our bones almost sense our weight and if we become too overweight, it'll send some sort of signal from the bone to the brain to essentially curb our appetite to to get back to a sort of a, a better set point. I think there's some controversy around the existence. And <laughs> I do not say. Sorry. Okay. Uh, yeah, so... I think. 
So can you get, yeah, explain the concept and <laughs> where, the, where the science lands? point of view, the invention of bone is an aberration, okay? Because when animals left the water or the sea to go to land, they invented bone. And with bone, they invented a cell type, the osteoclast, whose only function is to destroy bone. It takes a lot of energy to commit suicide. Mm -hmm. Takes even more energy if you do it in hundred locations a day, every day, in an organ that covers a lot of surface. If you think it's enough, it takes even more energy because after you commit suicide, you form bone de novo. So this invention of this organ reforming himself constantly through this process at a time where food was exactly what was missing, imposed on nature to link bone biology to energy metabolism so that we don't grow 20 centimeters in a year when we cannot eat. And that, I think, is the right way to look at it. If you eat too much and become obese, because you have such a large weight to carry, you will be hungry and you will keep uh, eating more. I don't think that bones send a signal that really determine appetite. Appetite is determined by leptin that is made in fat cells. Right, okay. Uh, uh, yeah, interesting. Um, I like that evolutionary perspective. Okay, and there's a couple others. Um... Lipocalin 2 and sclerostin. Lipocalin 2 is an hormone that is made by bone that has an anorexigenic function. And if you don't have it, you eat slightly more. It's not as powerful as leptin, but it is quite significant. Uh, FGF23, as I said, is a molecule, is an hormone made by uh, osteoblasts and osteocytes that control phosphate metabolism, and phosphate is critical for bone mineralization. So maybe this is where I should have worked as uh, when I, instead of osteocalcin at the beginning. And uh, sclerostin is a molecule made by bone the endocrine function of sclerostin has not yet completely defined. Right. And do you anticipate there'll be more signals um, coming from the bone detected in the future? Any thoughts there? Or osteocalcin <laughs> is enough to work with for a couple of lifetimes? I mean, I, is it... No, I don't know that. I think it, 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 it's possible that there will be other hormones. There is no reason to believe that there will not be others. Just like the table in Pontfair. Yeah. I, I cannot uh, yeah. do that at all. Yeah. All right. So, just to finally, just to underscore um, from like a, a health perspective, at this stage, it's obviously exercise is really important. Any, any other thoughts around the uh, practical implications or appreciation of osteocalcin? Yeah. Very good. All right. Well, it's been yeah fascinating, a bit, and um, I'm sure for you to uncover all these areas. And I love this sort of synthesis, and I love science stories that are serendipitous because it goes in all different directions you don't expect, and you learn so much. So, uh, yeah, congratulations on your work today. It's been really great to speak to you and hear about all these twists and turns, and hopefully there yeah there's some more to come. So, um, if people are interested in any sort of 
links or um, any resources to recommend on bones and osteocalcin? Who like the physiology, uh, osteocalcin and the physiology of down is probably the best. Great. Jared, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for your time and um, yeah, uh, connecting and good luck with the future. And I, I can't wait to find out more about uh, the secret life that bones play in our regulating our health. For useful links and resources, make sure you check out the show notes. The information provided in this episode is for educational purposes only and is not intended to be a substitute for health and medical care. Always consult a healthcare professional for medical advice. Thank <laughs> you.